still believe in miracles? Come on, more than one person. Do you still believe in miracles? Sing with me. Let faith arise. In spite of what I see, Lord, I believe. But help my unbelief, I choose to trust you. No matter what I feel, let faith arise. Let faith arise.
God, we thank you so much that you could just be in this place with us, God. I prayed for this. I prayed that there would be a moment where your presence would be so on display that it could not be ignored. Lord, for the skeptic and for the seeker, I pray that you would penetrate their heart, their minds. Sometimes we limit an unlimited God, and, and we can do that. We can limit an unlimited God by our lack of faith. And I pray that faith arise in this place. God, that faith arise in this church, that faith arise in our hearts, that we believe God. We believe to see and not always have to see to believe. I pray, Lord God, that this would be a church that actually believes that God can do miracles. The miracles still happen, and they're happening in me, and they're happening in you, and they can happen beyond the four walls of this church, Lord. We don't want to just go to church. We don't want to just play church. We want to be the church that actually believes that God can still do miracles today, today in Jesus' name. We thank you, God. I pray that today would be a day of salvation. Today would be a day of miracles for every single person that's in this room and every single person that's within the sound of my voice. I ask that you permeate every moment, every minute. You permeate every cell and every body with your presence, God. We don't want to do church without you, Lord. You're the most important guest in this place. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to be here with us. We draw near to God, and we know that your word says you will always draw near to us. We inhabit, you inhabit, excuse me, the praises of your people. And we've been praising you, God, and we ask that you be here in an even greater measure in the coming moments and minutes, Lord. Even in the fun, in, in, in the conversation about the word, and certainly in our prayer time, God, just be here. In Jesus' name, and all God's church said, amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord one more big hand clap. God bless you. God bless you. You may be seated. You may be seated. Good morning, church. How are you? Let's try that again. Good morning. There you go. That's good. My name is Pastor Derek, if you don't know who I am, and uh, it's an honor to uh, be with you this morning. I'm the lead pastor at Connect, or the lead servant, as I like to say. The Bible says the greatest among you is the servant of all, so I'm your lead servant. And uh, I just have the opportunity to lead in communication and kind of culture and some leadership stuff. And everybody does different things in the church, and they're all important. Not one is unimportant. Everybody in every single post here serving you has an incredibly important role. In fact, I want to highlight uh, some of the servant leaders. You know, in, in, in the church, a sign of maturity uh, is to serve. Can I have an amen? amen? And so Jesus did it. I mean, he was uh, really... Um, amazing about it. He served those that he was leading. He served his disciples by washing their feet. I'm not asking anybody to do that today, and please don't ask me because I hate feet. Uh, no, but, um, but serving is a sign of maturity. And last weekend, um, our dream team served the socks off all the people that came to church last week, and uh, we had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people last week here in five services. And I'm so, first of all, just um, amazed at what God can do, where 66 people, individuals, gave their life to Christ last weekend. Yeah, in one weekend. I have a phrase, one weekend can change someone's eternity. That's a pretty big deal. So when you bring somebody to church, and you should be a bringer, when you bring somebody to church, it could be, it literally could be uh, eternity changing, not just this life changing. So that happened last week. But, but our dream team is one of my favorite things, just uh, that's our volunteer organization and, and uh, they just crushed it. And uh, from the parking lot to, to, the, to the pew, uh, to the platform, uh, everybody just did a phenomenal, phenomenal job. And I'd like to give it up for our dream team. Could you, could you do that with me? Thank you, guys, for doing such a great job. And they're still doing it. They're still doing it week in and week out, hundreds of people that made that possible. Um, I want to also just welcome you, but I also want to welcome our guests online. Can we just give one more hand for all the online people, cable, you know, Facebook, all the places that we're posting stuff. I have so many cool things I want to tell you, but I don't have time about some online stuff. If you want to get involved in kind of online kind of uh, development, um, you might, you know, be interested in that. We're starting to reach more people through that, and I have some vision for that that I'd love to share with you. If you're interested, we have stuff that we want to do during church, but also maybe during the week. So just see me or Pastor Deej or one of our staff. 
Um, we love to just get you guys involved that way. You can make a big difference. There's really another whole church that doesn't even come here. They just go, you know, they click on, and, and God uses that, and he's using it in a big way. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, listen, um, you can get your worship guides out. I wanted to worship our way into this message, and so we called an audible uh, this morning and decided to change our liturgy a little bit, and, uh, and uh, in the first service, everybody was freaking out a little bit. And so you didn't get to see that, but uh, it was kind of fun. So we, uh, I wanted to just kind of worship God of miracles right into a, a message about healing. And um, how many know it's good to be able to change things up once in a while, right? Keep it fresh, keep it real, and try some different stuff. And, and uh, I wanted just to uh, just speak to you. Sometimes when you're wanting to build an environment of faith, uh, you worship. You worship. And uh, incredible things happen. There's a story in the Bible of Paul and Silas. It's a great story about the power of worship, and they were worshiping at the midnight hour, shackled and in chains in a jail, and a terrible environment and climate that they were in, and, and God of miracles showed up, and their shackles were loosed, and uh, there was an earthquake, and, and, uh, and incredible stuff began to happen after that, and, all, and within moments, people were giving their life to Christ, and lives were being changed, but it all was preceded by worship, and so there's principles in the Bible there's patterns and principles in the Bible. Everything God does is according to a pattern and based on a principle. And the principle of worship uh, before breakthrough is so critical in your life. So sometimes when you're needing a breakthrough and you, do, you don't like how you feel, you don't like, how you're, you don't like your disposition, you, you, you kind of need to check yourself. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Am I talking to a few people in here? Sometimes you just worship your way out of that. So you, 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 don't, you, know, you don't worship to Justin Bieber, and i got nothing against him, but that's not going to really... That's not going to really change you from the inside out. You might get a good mood or throw a few good moves, you know, but uh, you, you, you probably need something a little more than that. You know what I'm saying? So you get the word with, with the music, and those two things co-mingle, and the anointing comes on that environment. That means the Spirit of God is invited by that praise and worship, and then everything begins to change. The atmosphere changes, and then your faith changes, and when your faith changes, anything can happen. Amen? So I just want to encourage you with that. Anyway, the series God-Man is fundamentally this. What happens when divinity meets humanity? And they collide. And so God came from heaven to earth. The Bible says in John 1, 14, the, the word became flesh and, and, and dwelt among men and, and hung out with us. And so we believe that prior to Jesus coming to earth, he was the word. Uh, he, and so, but he became uh, God in the flesh, God incarnate. And so God became man. And for a little while, he actually was on the earth as a man, 33 and a half years, as one of us. And what's so powerful about that is because he became a man, he can identify with man. And one of the most powerful principles in life is the principle of identification. And so we talked about that in week one, how in everything that you're going through, Jesus understands. Yes or no? That's what we talked about. If you didn't, if you didn't get that message, please, please, please. If you need to go to someone who understands and you're having trouble not finding someone who understands, you know, you don't understand and you're giving so-and-so the Heisman and you're telling somebody they don't get it, go to Jesus. That's what that whole message is about. And then the second week we talked about Jesus the Lamb. Weird name for Jesus. It's not Jesus the rhinoceros, Jesus the hippopotamus. It was Jesus the Lamb. Like, what? What's that all about? Well, the Lamb is symbolic of a sacrifice. And so we see Old Testament and New Testament come alive we needed a payment for sin. In the Old Testament, there was this pattern of paying for sins with sacrifices. We knew, we know, and we knew that there had to be a, a penalty. There was a payment for our mistakes. Something about us knows there needs to be recompense when we mess up. We can't just say sorry. Like, you want to do something about it. You want to make up for it. So the Old Testament had this way of doing it. But the New Testament, there was a once and for all way, and that was Jesus, the Lamb of God. Isn't that awesome? And then last week, Easter... Uh, we talked about Jesus the Son. And I never thought about this before, but, you know, he, Jesus was someone's son. And so he just kind of approached the subject of the relationship between the Father and the Son and then what the Son did for us. It was a powerful service, and I hope you guys can go watch that or listen to that if you weren't here. How many were here last week for Easter? How many? Good, good. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so it's good to have you all back. Good to have you all back. Proud of you. But today we're going to talk about Jesus the Healer. Everybody say the Healer. Are you guys ready for this? So get your worship guides out. You can follow along on version if you like. That's that kind of handy-dandy, 
you know, uh, online app. It's super cool, and we have all the stuff right in there. You can put your zip code in or your church name, and it'll pop up, and you won't even have to take notes, and you can email yourself. And Yeah, I love that. Anyway, um, Jesus the healer, and what you may not realize is one of the descriptions of Jesus is that he was, he was referred to, um, you know, as a doctor, uh, a physician, um, or a healer. Inside the word physician, we know there's another word. That word is physical. And, and, and so he's, we can see from the scriptures that he's not just interested in one part of you. Just as a quick r- reminder, we talk about this a lot at Connect, but you are created in God's image. We see that all the way in the beginning in Genesis chapter 2, 17, all the way in the New Testament, multiple scriptures. We were created in his image. What is his image? He, God, is, God is triune, and we are tripart. So we have a spirit, a mind, and a body. And sometimes as Christians, we think God's only interested in two parts of us. We sometimes behave that way, at least. We behave or, or sometimes believe that God is only interested in our spirit. And we know he's interested in our spirit because, um, because he's all about connecting us to God forever. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus is fundamentally about reconciling man and God and the thing that was blocking man and God is sin. And so Jesus came from heaven to earth to deal with the sin problem so that man and God could be together forever. Yes, yes or no? Everybody with me? So Jesus is really all about that. And, and, and so we are spirit beings having a human experience. What does that mean? It's a big word. It's a big phrase. It basically means you're going to live somewhere forever. And so this body is corruptible. It's, it's good looking. Just making sure you guys are paying attention. <laughs> I don't know why y'all are laughing. <laughs> um, but it's corruptible. It's a depreciating asset. It's, 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 it's not going to be here forever. It's, it's a temporary temple of the Holy Spirit, right? So there's a spirit that's just going to go on and on and on. The question is where, and that's what Jesus was trying to make sure that that, 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 that final destination would be all worked out. And so that's the spirit part. The, the mind part, God knows also that the battle that we have in this world before it comes out into the open, it's all up in our head. The battle is in the mind, the mind. And so that's why we have crazy thoughts. I have crazy thoughts just like you. You say, well, you're the pastor. I know. You know, you're following me. It's a problem. Uh, I have to take captive thoughts too. I have crazy thoughts. I'll just be honest. Like I was just telling a friend in the parking lot a second ago. Last Easter was awesome. Monday I was depressed. That's crazy. Why would you be depressed? It was an incredible weekend. It's the highlight of the, 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 the Christian calendar. I don't know. The devil just, yeah, just gets in your ear. I was, I was in a funk on Monday. It took me a while to get out. I had a friend who had to pray for me in the gym. I was like, what's the matter with you? And I looked like a, you know, I looked like I was weaned on a pickle. I, it was bad. So what was the battle? It was all in my head. It was all in my head. What I have to do, I had to learn how to take captive all those thoughts. Go, look, hey, wait a second. Does this thought agree with God or is it something else? If it doesn't agree with God, I need to arrest it and, and, and jail it. If it does agree with God, I need to receive it and treat it, keep it inside, let it marinate, let it get in, from my head into my heart, let it stew and work inside of me instead of chewing and stewing on the bad stuff. Does that make sense? So God wants our mind to be renewed. So we're, we're pretty much as Christians aware of that. If we've been in the church any length of time, we, we like that, we accept that. But when it comes to the body, sometimes we don't think God's interested in our bodies. But he wants us to be able to serve him optimally. He wants us to be able to live as an overcomer. What does that mean? That means everything goes good when you become a Christian? No. It means you're strong enough to overcome all the crazy nuts things that are going on in this cursed, messed up, fallen world in which we live, and we live different. We don't, we don't dance through, you know, uh, through the rain and avoid all the rain. When you become a Christian, it rains, the Bible says, on the just and the unjust. That means bad things happen to bad people and bad things can happen to good people. You can't avoid all the raindrops because you're a Christian now and you're going you're gonna to make sure that none of it hits you. You're going to get rained on. But you need to know how to pop an umbrella or get wet and keep running or whatever you need to do just like everybody else. But as an overcomer, can I have an amen? amen. So God wants you to be strong in the Lord, in Spirit, in mind, 
and in body. Amen? So God is concerned. You know that Jesus is concerned about your tripart being, and that includes your body. He's concerned about that. In fact, when you got saved, some of you have become a follower of Christ, and the precursor to that is a connection between your mouth and your heart. We talked about this last week. In Romans 10, 9, it says, if you will confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. That means you got to say out loud, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. You will be saved, it says. Now, that word saved, in English, it's saved, but in the original language of which it was written, it means, sudzo is the word, it means spirit, mind, and body. So you didn't just get, you didn't just get eternity you didn't just get the opportunity to take captive your thoughts instead of having to just, just give in to your thought life. You also were saved in your body. That means you have the opportunity to live an overcoming life in the here and now in your body. You, that means you have the opportunity to have divine health as a gift from God. How do you get it? Same way you got salvation, by grace through faith. So you receive salvation not because of something you did, works, you received it by grace through faith. You receive a, a renewed mind, a transformed mind, not by works. I've read my Bible 2,900 times today. No, it was by grace through faith. You receive healing. Healing is a gift from God. You receive that by grace through faith. Amen? Is everybody tracking with me so far? So how does God heal? Well, he heals three different ways. I don't know if this is in your notes, but there's three different ways God heals. One is naturally. God heals naturally. He also can heal you medically, and, and the third way he can heal you is supernaturally, supernaturally. There's three ways God can heal. Now, when he heals you naturally, we all know that. Now, sometimes we don't think God is the originator of these three types of healing, but he is. He, he, he's the one who created you, so he's the one who empowers your body to heal itself. So I'll, I'll try to unpack this a little bit more as we go forward. So... If, has anybody ever cut themselves? Raise your hand if you cut yourself before. Okay. Um, some of y'all never went out. Okay. Uh, <laughs> never used scissors, you know. Yeah. Okay. So when you cut yourself, you, your body healed, right? Otherwise, you'd all be still bleeding, you know? And so unless you're a hemophiliac. My sister-in-law is a hemophiliac, and, and so she struggles for her blood to clot. She needs a healing in that. Um, but, but, but naturally, sometimes you can... Your body will heal itself. Sometimes you can do things to condition your body to restore it quickly and, or, or, or more efficiently. I, I love, I'm a proponent of natural health. I, I take a lot of vitamins and, um, and I take, you know, supplements and, and things like that. And, and I'd scare you all if I told you all the stuff that I, that I take and different things that I take. So uh, I'm, I'm trying to find the fountain of youth again. No, <laughs> in the Garden of Eden, it's right around the corner, I promise. Uh, just kidding. Um, but it's amazing what you can do to try. There's different things that I used to struggle with, but by, but by learning about the body and learning about the, the, the laws that God established, the natural laws that God established, and the things that He has, uh, you, you, can, you can really fight some of the, the erosion and corrosion that kind of takes place in your temple. And, 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 and that's, it's, it can create a better, a, a better body so you can cer certainly operate more optimally. But you can also put a lot of trust in that too, and it can become works. And, and there was a time in my life where I avoided the next phase that God could heal me. And I just thought, just me and God and my vitamins, and I'll be okay. And so, so I kind of lived, me, God, and my vitamins in the gym. And then one day I had a big health crisis and realized that I'm, I'm living in works, a works kind of theology. And I'm living in pride, too, because I didn't want anybody else to, that God could use to stick his finger in my business. Wow, that could be taken a lot of different ways. Uh, I just realized that. <laughs> just, just move on. Just move on. So, <laughs> so, so what? So what happens is sometimes uh, we we remove ourselves from another way God can heal, and God uses medical doctors. He can use medical science. In fact, every authority in your life is appointed by God. Romans 13 tells us that. So I didn't want to submit to doctors. I had an issue, an aversion to doctors and hospitals and things. And some of you guys are like me or, or like I was. And so you can get yourself in a pickle because God will use that sometimes to help you. So you got to get certain checkups and physicals and have things looked at. And uh, I'll just leave it at that. So then, so God can heal you medically. Amen? 
right? How many of y'all have ever had stitches before? Raise your hand. Ever had stitches? Wow. How many of y'all have broke a bone? Y'all are some busted up people in this church right here, right now. That's what I'm saying. All right. How about a minor surgery? Wow. Major surgery. I had a major surgery. Cosmetic surgery. People start popping out cameras. I knew it. I knew she had one. You know, I knew it. I knew it. Y'all, like, you just all, yeah, judgmental people. What's going on there? If you, if you, if you had one of those two ways, you experience, you need to know something, the, miracle, the healing power of God. Like it just came through it a different way, natural or medical. But then how many of you have ever been healed? Just before you raise your hand, how many have been healed supernaturally? That means you prayed for, you, somebody prayed for you in the power of Jesus' name. You were sick, infirm, disease, or something like that, and you were healed. Raise your hand if you're, look around, look around. Look around. So yeah, so like at least, probably maybe, maybe 50% of you have experienced that. But a lot of people haven't. And a lot of people have, and then they lost it. They lost their healing. That happens sometimes too. So kind of rhetorical question, but... Do you believe God still heals today? So let me show you an example from the story of the leper. Mark 1, 40 says, A man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him, got on his knees, and he basically said, If you're willing, can you make me clean? Look what Jesus says. He goes on and basically tells him, Yes, I'm willing. Of course I'm willing. He was moved with compassion, the Bible says. He stretches out his hands. He touches him and says, I'm willing be cleansed. So I want to talk to you kind of about kind of four questions that people have about this subject. This particular subject is one of the most controversial subjects in the Christian faith. It's usually, listen, it's very interesting. The people, the, the stumbling blocks in the Christian faith that are most common are related to money, the Holy Spirit, and healing. Money, it's interesting that that's where people have a lot of hang-ups. And we, we don't pass a plate here because we want to, as a method, convey that we're not trying to get something from you. But we talk about giving because we want something to go through you so you can be changed. Amen? But, but money is a big hang-up of people. And yet, it's one of the biggest problems in society, financial problems. Guaranteed, hundreds of people in these services that struggle with money problems. But yet, one of the hardest things to talk about because there's all kinds of controversy and issues. Second thing, the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, will be the next series. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit because it's a, it's a big stigma and, you know, all kinds of stuff with that. Is he a ghost? And, ooh, you know, is he Casper or is he a mad, you know, ghost? Um, and, 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 but yet the Holy Spirit, so when Jesus left, that was about fixing this, this connection. But the Holy, he said the Holy Spirit's going to come, and that's to help us from now until eternity on earth. So the one person, not an it, a force, Star Wars kind of thing, one person, the Holy Spirit, that can help us, we have a big hang-up with because of a few things that get everybody all hung up, so we'll talk about that. But the third area is healing. We're busted, broke, and, and bent out of shape, and we need healing, but we got all kinds of hang-up about healing. Isn't it interesting? So I want to try to help with some of that this morning. Would that help anybody that's here? So here's four questions using the story of the leper that we need to address. First one is, why was Jesus a healer? Why was Jesus a healer? Verse 41, Mark 1 says, then Jesus moved with what? Compassion. compassion. Moved with compassion. So uh, let's give you another verse. Matthew 14, 14. And when Jesus went out, he saw a multitude. He saw all these people. And then he said what? He, he basically was moved with compassion for them. He saw all these needs and he healed their sick. Matthew 20, 34, it says, so Jesus had what? Compassion and touched their eyes. This is two guys that he healed simultaneously that were blind and their sight returned to them. Phenomenal. So whenever Jesus saw sick people, he had compassion. Period. End of story. One time in Luke chapter 7, there's a story of a woman who lost her son and he's, he died. There's nothing worse than outliving your child, I think. I can't think of many things. At the moment, Nothing. And so she loses her son, and she's weeping. And back then, when, when, when they would have a funeral, the processional, the end of it, uh, they would go through the town, sort of so everybody could kind of see and say goodbye. And so they had an open coffin, and there's this small child going through the town, dead, if you can imagine that. 
And Jesus sees the mother weeping, and he, and he comes up to the mother, and he says, you know, he talks to her and basically says, don't weep. And then he puts his hand on the coffin, and the guys stop. And he speaks to the boy, and he says, rise. And this boy comes up out of the coffin from the dead. How many know that would be a very different processional at a funeral? Come on, somebody. Right? But in that particular verse, it says he had compassion. Verse 13 through 15 says he had compassion on her. So the miracle part, we'll get to that, but you need to see the precursor, the thing that preceded the miraculous was the heart, the heart of it, the love for people, the love for people. So it's simple. Why does Jesus heal? It's because he loves people. He heals because he loves people. And let me tell you something, everybody. He still loves people. Nothing's changed. He still loves people. One of the lies that it was propagated when I was in the cemetery, I mean seminary, was this. He says he always does that. I know. That's how I get it worked out. Uh, when, I, when I was in the seminary, they used to teach that Jesus healed people to prove to everyone that he was the Messiah. That is a lie. That is not, uh, scripture does not confirm that. John 13 tells us that Jesus... Uh, knew, knew who he was and where he'd come from. He, Jesus, Jesus didn't have to prove he was the Son of God. He didn't have to convey to anybody he's the Messiah. He was the Son of God. He was the Messiah, and there was nothing they had to prove to anybody. He didn't have to go around, you know, and, 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 and meet some, you know, he's got a Torah, and he's reading the Torah, and it's written about him because he wrote it. And so he's, imagine him read, oh, you know what, I think today's the day that I'm supposed to heal three or four people, you know, down by the Sea of Galilee, okay? And then to, oh, tomorrow I do in the temple something pretty cool and miraculous. I got to make my quota. That wasn't what was going on here. He was the son of God. He knew who he was. He didn't heal people to prove anything. He, he didn't prove anything to anybody. He healed people because he loved people. You need to hear that as Jesus loved people. When, when Lazarus died, Jesus wept, the Bible said. Why? Because he loved Lazarus. So because there's been so much misunderstanding and misinformation out there, I, I, there's just sometimes with that, and I want to through worship and through now just the, the preaching of the word to you, there's a resistance to healing. And I would say to you, in America, even more than other places, in New England at a, at a certain level. So the reason sometimes miracles do not come here more than they come some other places, as, as I have seen and experienced. I just got invited last night to do healing crusades in Pakistan, just last night. So I'm praying about that. Y'all can extend your hands to me right now. No, I'm just kidding. But I mean, like, whoa. That was challenging your faith, but, but, but I can promise you, and he basically said, if you go there, there are going to be miracles all over the place. Why did God of miracles come there and not come here? Some of it is what I want to address with you guys right now. Some of it's the misunderstanding, the misinformation. Some things miss the mark in our life. And, and, and one of the things that happens to us as Christians is, you may not realize this, but you speak Hebrew to God. What are you talking about? You use a Hebrew word whenever God comes to you with faith or with a promise or somebody comes to you with a word from God. You, this is the word you speak, yabat. It's a Hebrew word, yabat. Turn to your neighbor and say, yabat. God wants to heal you, yabat. God has a miracle just waiting for you right around the corner, yabat. The Bible says in Psalm 103, verse 3, yabat. He healed this person. Yeah, but he didn't heal this person. See, we, we speak Hebrew to God. Uh, that, that language, we somehow think that's God's, that's, 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 that, that, that we have a, there's this offense, there's this resistance against God, and it's this, this yabut language to him. You need to know Jesus still heals today. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 8, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can I have an amen? Malachi says, I am the Lord, and I change not. So if he healed people then, does he still heal them today? He does. But here's, here's what gets in the way. Let me, let me give you a couple of the, why the yeah buts come. Sometimes it's the ministry of healing that we've seen, and sometimes it's, it's we haven't seen anything, but I'll come back to that. Sometimes the ministry of healing, how people do it. So there's some reasons why we don't see, see healing the right way, and, and, we, we, and we need to see Jesus the right way in order for it to get fixed. Jesus was not, number one, write this down, a big word. He was not a sensationalist. He was not a sensationalist. He didn't do things to call attention to himself. 
One of the reasons sometimes people are not seeing what they want or don't like what they see is because whenever it's happening, they're drawing attention to themselves. Jesus diverted attention from himself to his father. In John 14, 31, he says, I want the world to know that I love my father and I do precisely what he tells me to do. Nothing more, nothing less. See, so, so he wasn't doing something for a show. And, and, and I've, seen, I've seen charlatans who create atmospheres, who use technology to, to create some sense of hype. and not, I mean, I've, seen, I've heard and seen crazy stuff in my life as a Christian. I've, all, I've seen like a lot of just showmanship and emotional manipulations, and you probably have to, or you heard about it, and you adopted those, those, those notions and those ideas, and it's kept you from the authentic and the real and the transformational. Jesus was not like that. In fact, when he healed somebody, he would heal somebody just kind of, you know, just out in, out in the streets, out in the open. He didn't have to have a big meeting to heal people. He did sometimes. But sometimes if, if he was here today, he'd do it at the mall. He'd do it down at the shop in the grocery store line. He would have done it everywhere. And then once he was done healing them, he'd say, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. But did they tell people? Yeah. Would you? Yes. Why did he do that? Why did he? Why, why? There's a whole bunch of potentials for that. Some people believe this isn't Bible. It's the, it's, you know, kind of scholars sometimes think that because, because it would have drawn crowds to him very quickly. And it would have changed the timeline that God had and, and, and envy and jealousy of the religious and it would have accelerated things before their time. It was, it was supposedly before Jesus. I don't know if that's true or not. All I know is he wasn't a sensationalist. He didn't call a bunch of attention to himself. He didn't make a show of healing. He made a show of his God. He wanted to bring all the glory to God. And that's a great atmosphere of faith is when we lift up God. We don't lift up man. Can I have an amen? amen. So, so the next thing is he wasn't a confessionalist. He wasn't a, this is a big word, but a confessionalist, okay? This, I believe in confessing the word. What does that mean? That means you need to know the word, and you need to say it sometimes. So when you're facing circumstances that are negative, that are opposing, that are creating resistance in your life, you need to, sometimes you need to, not literally like, it's going to seem sacrilegious to some of you, but you don't literally stand on your Bible. You stand on the promises. I don't believe that that's sacred. I believe the word inside it's sacred, by the way. So you stand on the word. What does that mean? That means you take a promise and you, you chew on it and you sue on it to renew your mind. But then sometimes you speak it out. Jesus did this when he was tempted of the devil. He says, it is written, it is written, it is written. Right? Man should not live by bread alone. Don't tempt the Lord thy God. All those things. So how do we overcome in different things? We have, to, we have to confess the word. But sometimes we take things to an extreme. Go too far. Sometimes anything good can become bad. And that's the enemy's joy is to take things way too far. So we'll have, we'll have these hyper movements in the church and because of that, people eventually, you see a, pol a polarizing of the body of Christ. Some people just check out. In other words, you'll have a, a hyper grace. Some of you have grown up in, and now are, are part, you've been, grown up in a church, and now you're part of Connect, and you're learning the balance. Not saying we're perfect, but there's a little more balance. But you might have come out of a hyper grace environment. That means, that means we can just continuously sin willfully and then just repent about it, and it's, and it's just okay. That's, it's an abuse of grace, okay? So, like, we can just party up Saturday night, no problem, no problem, because tomorrow morning, I can just say, sorry, sorry, sorry. See, that's an excessive abuse, of hyper grace. In Psalm 19, it talks about, the Bible says, keep your servant, 1913, I think, keep your servant from willful sins, in other words, we don't want to just be willfully, just continuously, ongoingly, that's called iniquity, chronic, ongoing patterns of sin. It's not, we can't just abuse grace, hyper grace, and think the favor and blessing of God is going to be on our life. It's not. It's not. Then you can have, you can have hyper, here's another example, hyper prosperity. This is one I can't stand, um, and it makes my job harder when I'm trying to teach people and equip people in stewardship and generosity, which the Bible talks about a ton. But because of hyper-prosperity, which has gotten a lot of press and media, um, people come into uh, uh, knowledge from the scriptures, and they, they, they manipulate them. Hyper-prosperity is just another way to mask selfish desires. So I'm going to sow so I can go on vacation, do what I want. 
I'm going to give so I can get. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says give to give. Give. At, we're conduits of the blessing of God. We're supposed to, uh, Genesis 12, 2 says, blessed to be a blessing. Why do we give so we can give again? Why do we sow so we can reap and then turn around and sow again so we can reap and sow so we can reap? It's just, it's not, it's cyclical. It's a pattern. We're just continually doing that and God will bless us in the process. But some people uh, manipulate that and manipulate people in the process. Everybody tracking with me? Then you can have hyper faith. Hyper faith is we, 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 we try to ignore the realities thinking that that's going to make us well. We, no, that's not what makes you well. What makes you well is exalting the truth. I don't have to ignore the realities to be well. In fact, you never will be. You exalt truth in order to be well. So the hierarchy is faith, facts, feelings. God is okay with us. For example, this last week, I, I mentioned this, so I wasn't feeling that well. I'm still not feeling 100% if I'm totally honest. That's my feelings. Yesterday, if you were talking to me, I was kind of hoarse. I sounded like Brian Adams. Some of you guys know who that is, but anyway, I could do a song, but it wouldn't sound as good as it did yesterday, right? So that's the facts. Feelings weren't feeling so great. Facts are I sounded like Brian Adams. But faith says, I'm fixing to catch a healing in Jesus' name. I'm the redeemed of the Lord. Exodus 15, 26 says, I am the Lord who healeth thee of all your diseases. The Bible tells me in, in Psalm 103, verse 3, he forgives all my sins and he heals all my diseases. I can, I'm confessing the word of God. That's not a lie to facts and feelings because I've acknowledged those are real. I've simply exalted the standard of faith. This is truth, everybody. And so we speak truth over the facts and over our faith. But a confessionalist acts like it's a, it's a lie to do that, and they, they ignore fa- facts and feelings, which is frankly just, frankly just weird. I mean, I went up to a guy one time, and I said, hey, dude, do you have a cold? Do you have a cold? Nah. Nah. You know, his eyes are watering, you know what I mean? I can barely talk to him, you know? He looks like a Cylon from Battlestar Galactica. And, you know, and, and he's tearing up and snot's coming. And I go, dude, this, you're sick. He goes, no I'm, no, I'm not. I said, there's snot coming right out of your nose right now. You're sick. <laughs> no, no. That's a confessionalist. You guys tracking with me? That's, that's the excess of it. And so sometimes we go way over here. Sometimes we go way over there. And as a result, we're not experiencing the healing of God. Jesus was not a sensationalist. He was not a, a, a confessionalist. And lastly, he was not a dispensationalist. Write this down. It's a big word. But you're going to get so smart today. <laughs> what does that mean? That means Jesus wasn't just on the earth for three years doing miracles and then that's it. No. He bestowed an anointing to heal to, to pray for the sick, to see lives change, to, to make disciples, to go into all the world and do the same things that he did to his 12, to the 70, and so on. And if he didn't want it to be that way, I believe he would have said so. Can I have an amen from somebody out there? The Bible says, these signs shall accompany those who believe in my name, Jesus They will lay hands on the sick, and they shall what? They shall recover. So the dispensation of healing wasn't for three years or just a short period of time. And I don't get get where people see this in the Bible. The cessationists that believe, oh, well, it it, it didn't end with Jesus, but it did end with the apostles. No, it didn't. It's a continuous thing. In fact, later on, James, Jesus' half-brother, in James 5.16, he says, Is there any among you sick? This is what he was saying to everybody. And, 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 and at that time, there were a lot of people sick. And the same thing's true today. If I said, is anybody here sick? Yep, there'll be a lot of people sick who need a healing. Broke, busted, bent out of shape. And it's, it's just life. He says, is there anybody sick? Let him call for the elders of the church that they could lay hands on them, anoint them with oil, lay hands on them, pray for them in the name of Jesus that they might be made well. See, that's, that's for now. That's not just for then. Can I have an amen? So, so, but sometimes we don't experience... What we see in the Bible, what intellectually we're like, I believe that, but I'm not seeing it in my life. A lot of times, maybe that's because, and we'll get to some of the reasons and maybe even excuses, but sometimes I think we don't trust the real doctor. In other words, if we believe in this hierarchy, faith, facts, and feelings, when you get sick, 
What's the first thing you do? That reveals who your primary physician is. What do you do when you get sick reveals your primary physician. See, I think we immediately call the doctor. Maybe we run to the emergency room. We go to the cabinet to look for something. What if our default, I'm challenging you as Christians in this church, what if your default was to go to the doctor, the physician, the healer, Jesus first? What if on a Sunday morning when you didn't feel good, instead of deciding to roll over and have fellowship and communion with the pillow, what if you decided to get out in faith Go to church, even if you just went to the prayer line at the end of service, had somebody pray for you, apply what the word of God says, and, and ask them to use the name of Jesus, ask them to anoint you with oil, just like the Bible says, pray for you. I wonder how many people might catch a healing if they did that. I wonder how many people might go home better than when they woke up in the morning. Instead, listen, hold up. No, seriously, hold up. Listen, instead, what we sometimes do is we prepare to be sick. We're sick on Sunday morning. We're already deciding we're not going to be at work on Monday. <laughs> I'm probably going to have to take the day off, you know. Could be several days. Could be several days. Yeah. Like, do you, just like, do you want to be sick or do you want to be healed? So sometimes it blows my mind. Why don't we experience healing? Because we don't even want to be well. We don't even want to be well. We don't want to live life optimally. We don't want to live as overcomers. But if you will, people will be drawn to the testimony of your life because you burn differently than everybody else. And when problems come, they bounce off you like bugs on a windshield because you're living in the power of Jesus' name. Amen. But it requires new defaults and new practices in your life. Can I have an amen? amen. So Jesus wasn't any of those things in the process. Number two, I got to go. Did Jesus heal everyone? Well, Matthew 4, 23 shows us this. And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments. And those who were demon possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them all. He healed them what? He healed them. And there's tons of Bible on this. If you want more, I can show you that later. But here's another scripture, Matthew 8, 16 and 17. The Bible says, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and he healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. So this is referring to Isaiah 53. He himself, Jesus, took our infirmities when he was on the cross, Again, this was prophesied in, in Isaiah about what would come in the New Testament. And he bore, everybody say bore, our sicknesses, Matthew 8, 16. Powerful. So, so basically, Isaiah tells us that he bore our sicknesses. 1 Peter 2, 24 says he bore our sicknesses. So do we want to bear our sicknesses? Do we want to decide to be sick Monday? Or do we want to live healed? Healed. We, the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I think we need to have, let the healed say so. I want to be healed in Jesus' name. So sometimes we need to not be a confessionalist, but we need to confess, like my wife says and our southern family says, I'm catching a healing. I'm not healed yet because I don't feel it. The facts are, you know, I'm still, I'm still struggling, but you know what? I'm going to be healed in Jesus' name. And you know what? You keep confessing that, you might be amazed how much better you start to feel. One time I was talking to a guy, and I, I said, I said, what do you need to pray for? Because um, it was a prayer line for sick, sickness. He says, I'm waiting on God to heal me. I said, well, you're going to be waiting a long time because God's done. He's not getting back up on the cross again. He got up on the cross to, bear your, to, to pay for all your sins. He got on the cross so that your, your sickness would be bore upon him. When, you, when he was on the cross, he paid the full penalty for your sin and your sickness. Complete. See, see, I hope I can do this. I wish I had a whiteboard. So I love whiteboards, and my staff knows this, and I'd be going crazy right now. But, but basically, if you look at, if you like extra notes, this is cool. Isaiah 53, 5, 1 Peter 2, 24. Uh, this, this scripture that we just, we just looked at um, right here as well. Uh, if you look at the association, in, uh, uh, another one is Psalm 103, verse 3. Psalm 103, verse 3. There's an association always in the Bible between forgiveness and healing. Sin and sickness. You'll always see it. It's always in the Bible. They're, they're almost always together in the scriptures. In other words, heart and healing. There's a connection. It's amazing. So you need to know something. Jesus, when he got on the cross, 
vulnerable and naked before all humanity. He did that not just for your sin. He bore your sickness too. Sin and sickness. So, so underneath this connection between those two words are kind of three words that you kind of need to know. Penalty, power, presence. Penalty, power, presence. The penalty of sin and sickness was fully paid on the cross. He's not getting back up on the cross again. Nobody has to pay for sin and sickness ever again. You don't, you're not being punished in sickness. All of that was put on him on the cross. Okay? Penalty. He's given you the power in Jesus' name to overcome sin and sickness when you got saved. But the, there is the presence on the earth of sin and sickness still remains until ultimately the enemy is taken care of once and for all. So some people can, when you got saved, did you sin again after that? The answer is yes if you need help. Not me. I've never sinned since then. <laughs> no, of course I have. So when you got saved, did you get sick after that? Yes. Why? Because the power of sin and sickness still remains on the earth. We have to apprehend the power of God to overcome sin, and we have to apprehend the power of God to op- over- overcome sickness. Did you get that? That's why some are sick and some continue to sin, because we have to go after that. It doesn't just you know, happen once and for all any more than it does with never sinning again. We have no problem believing that, but we sometimes have a problem believing it with sickness. Is everybody getting that? I hope this is helping some of you guys that are out there. So we got to go after it. So does he heal everyone? Absolutely heals everyone. He even heals people who didn't ask to be healed. If you had the power to heal everybody, would you do it? Yeah, if you had divine healing that everybody you prayed for would be healed if you did. Yeah, you'd go into children's hospital and you wouldn't like select a few people. You would heal everybody you saw. Jesus healed everybody and even some who didn't ask to be healed, he healed. That's the kind of God that he was. And so you're like, I know, but I have questions. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. Put your Hebrew aside for a second. I understand. If you don't understand some things, it's because you don't understand some things that God wants to teach you because his word is true. Can I have an amen? Here's the third thing. Is it God's will to heal? See, is it God's will is kind of the key word. Mark 1.40 says, again, back to this leper story, the leper comes to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and says, if you are willing, willing, willing. In other words, the leper didn't have a problem believing Jesus was capable. He had a problem, is he willing? See, I I think some of us, when we don't receive our healing, it's not because we don't think he can. It's we think he won't. We won't. And you need to know from his word, he not only can, but he will. He is willing to heal you. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. Put your yeah, buts aside for a second. What happens is sometimes we mask our yeah, buts in the spiritual maturity that, that we bring into the church, and we call it, if it be thy will. Oh, Lord, if it be thy will, I pray that thee heal this person. If it be thy will, Lord. And we start, I don't know where this, we never say that in any other, you know, facet of life. But when it comes to the problems we're facing, if it comes to that, especially healing, we go, God, if it's thy will, would you heal this person? If it's thy will, stop saying that. So you need to understand that the word will, we talked about this in another message, and desire are interchangeable. Will and desire are interchangeable. It's God's will, it says in 2 Peter 3.9, that none would perish and that all would come to repentance and find him. 2 Peter 3.9. Now, listen, listen. So that means it's God's will that nobody be separated from him and that everybody be saved. That's what that's saying. Is everybody on planet earth going to be saved before he comes back? Yes or no? No. Is it his will? Yes. It's his desire But because of free will agency that he's given us, the spiritual muscle that sometimes we wish we didn't have because it doesn't work for us, but we're glad we have it when it works well for us, that particular will we have is the reason some of us will and will not be saved. And that same muscle is what keeps us from his will for us sometimes to be healed. Is it God's will for us to be healed? The answer is yes. Is it God's desire for everybody to be healed? 
Yes, but will everybody? No, not everybody will. There's some reasons why, you know, my, my last will and testament, when I die someday, is to give all that, all that I have to my kids, all $75 that I have remaining, <laughs> I will equally disperse to all of my children. That's my will. It may or may not happen at the end of that, okay? That's my desire. Are you with me, everybody? So why aren't more people healed, Pastor Derrickville? I think different reasons why. Sometimes I think it's because we never hear about it enough. I feel somewhat responsible for that for you. In other words, the Bible says in Romans 10, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when you're not experiencing healing, you need to hear about healing. You need to go to the promises of God. Like I have a, a, a list of scriptures that Joan Legassi made for me, like six pages long of every healing scripture in the entire Bible. So when I don't feel good, that's what I pull out. I have a CD from two different people. One, the most recent one, Holly Wagner, who spoke here. And she, she did all the healing scriptures on CD. And I just plugged that in and listened to that. Let me tell you something. There's, that's, there's a lot of benefit to that. I feel better when I hear the word of God. So some people don't receive healing because, because they don't hear, hear about healing. Another reason we don't, as I've already talked about, is the fallen, broken world. And that's why some of us fall under the power of, of, of sin and sickness that's a big reason. And then this is a big one. Some of us don't experience healing because we're too intelligent to be healed. In other words, we have so much in America, that's why our default is different than to go to God, our primary physician. So I can go to another country. I was, I was going to the Dominican Republic a little while ago, and I had a staff member who had a major accident. He was, he was struck by a vehicle, crushed his pelvis, all kinds of horrible damage to his body. I got off the plane. I, wasn't, I hadn't been on ground in the DR 10 minutes, and they were sending me right away to pray for him and lay hands on him because, Pastor, he wants you to come and pray for him right away. I didn't... I, I didn't even think that way as the person who's going to be praying for them. But in another country, they're thinking they don't have all these options. Their number one option, their primary option is to believe and trust God for a miracle. And that's why they get them. And we don't because we're so smart. And we think we know what's best. Just like I had my vitamins and, and my health and exercise and it's just me and God. It's the same idea, guys. That's what keeps us sometimes from either medical, natural, or supernatural healing our bodies because we think we're so smart. Here's another reason we don't get healed is because there's a war going on. In other words, the scripture says this all over the place, but basically there's one example. When you pray in faith that God would heal you, you need to know that by faith, not by sight, you are healed. You claim that healing in Jesus' name until it manifests in the natural but by the Spirit, it's immediately answered in heaven. Daniel, when he prayed, the Bible says his prayer was answered on the first day, but it took 21 days for it to manifest on earth. Why? Because between heaven and earth, there's a war. You need to know that. There's a spiritual war. So sometimes we're not praying for it to be answered. We're praying for it to be manifest. It was answered. Now we're just bringing it, pulling it going after it in prayer. And some of us would be on medications for 29 years, go to 15 million specialists. And I'm not saying you shouldn't, please. Sometimes God will use that. But we won't pray for seven days for God to heal our bodies. Not even a day. Sometimes not even five minutes. Maybe that's why we're not experiencing healing. Just a thought. Just a thought. Now let's go back to the story about the leper. Is everybody getting something out of this? So over time. So when you look at this leper, you got to go a little deeper. He was an ostracized, socially ostracized person. He wasn't just physically under the worst, most debilitating disease on the planet, flesh-eating disease. He was ostracized socially. And Jesus comes up to him, and, and, and this is a guy who had to say, don't touch me, unclean, unclean, unclean. And Jesus, who's clean, made that which is unclean, clean, which is so powerful. And Jesus, in this particular verse, he doesn't come up to the man and squirt sanitizer on his hand before he prays for him. One second, squirt, squirt, squirt. No, Jesus boldly touches him. In the, in the, in the Greek, it says he embraced him. He gave him everything this man needed. It was a relational, social, emotional, and physical healing when Jesus touched him. 
He was loving him. He was bringing security to him. He was bringing acceptance to him. And he was cleansing him of this leprous disease. And the man's basically like, are, are you willing? And Jesus says, I am willing. Be cleansed. So you're like, wow, I believe all that. I believe all that. But here's one th- question that keeps you from being healed. Here's the last one. Is he willing to heal me? Is he willing to heal me? I know that he's willing to heal in general, but sometimes I think because of the things I've done, because of the mistakes that I've made, because of the, the, the hurdles that I keep tripping up on, I don't, for some reason, I think somebody else deserves it, and I don't. I mean, this was a leper. I mean, and, and so he received healing, and so he probably needed it more than me. He's more worthy. Or you look at other people and you think because they have better character, maybe they, they pursued God more, they, did, they, they were more virtuous, that's why they get healed. But for some reason, God's punishing me, or some reason, God won't heal me. He's not punishing you. All the punishment was put upon Jesus on the cross. He's not punishing you. Either you're punishing you by your lack of faith and believing that God did all that for you, or, 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 and you're not trusting that he, you, him as your primary physician, or you're trying to earn it or somehow trying to deserve it and you're falling short. It's a gift of God. It's a gracious gift of God, and he wants that for you, and you qualify. Jesus says this in, in, in this final text, Mark chapter 2, verse 16. It says, how is it, well, backing up, it says, and when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors, the lowest of the low at that time, the sinners, they said to his disciples, how is it that he eats with these people? Listen to this. He says, when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician or a healer or a doctor, but those, what, who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Every person Jesus healed was a sinner. Every person Jesus healed fell short. Every person Jesus healed did not deserve it. You'll never deserve your healing. You're never gonna, you're never gonna get some kind of enough credit for it to happen to you. It was by grace. It was by grace you've been saved. It's by grace that you get healed. Let me tell you, let me give you some good news. You are, good news is this: you are bad enough to be healed. You are all bad enough to be healed in Jesus' eyes. <laughs> Amen. Put your notes away. I want to pray for you. I'd like the prayer team to come down front as quickly as possible. And I like the 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 audience to stand to your feet if you would. Would you stand to your feet? (laughs) Did you get something out of this, yes or no? I want to encourage you. Would you do me a favor? Would you just close your eyes and bow your heads, please? Be very still. Be very, very still, please. Please, let's honor and revere the presence of God in the moments that we still have, the minutes that we have. God's greatest mission on earth no doubt about it, was to heal the human heart first. Heal the human heart. And, and he put something inside. He put something inside of you, sir, ma'am, boy, girl, whoever you are in this room. It, 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 the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, he put eternity in the heart of man. That basically means he put a void there that only he can fill. And it would cause you to seek him. But you still have to choose him. And so you might be here and you've never, of your own free will, chosen to receive what Jesus did for you on the cross for your sin. And that's more important than receiving what he did for you for your sickness. It is by far more important. It is the greatest healing of all, the healing of the human heart. And I'm just telling you, you might not feel like it sometimes, but I believe by the Spirit of God you do today, some of you. It won't get fixed until Jesus is the center of your life. I promise you. I'm doing this. This isn't a job for me. This is a calling. Jesus changed my life, and I want him to change yours. And if you're here today with every head bowed, please, 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 every eye closed. I'm not going to call you down from. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm going to ask you to, I'm asking you to say yes to God. I want him in my life. And I want you to raise your hand strong right now. Say, that's me. I want to know that. God bless you. Good night. Don't miss it. One, two, three. Yes. Four over there. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Yes. 13, 14 over there, 15 over there in the corner. Thank you, Jesus. That's awesome. That's awesome. You can put your hands down. Thank you for your courage and your boldness. God sees your hand, and I see your hand. I want you to pray this with me. Church, would you pray this prayer with me? Say, Jesus, save me right now. Come into my life. Now is my day of salvation. I cannot do it without you. 
Heal my heart. Whatever is broken, fix it. Make me a new person in Christ Jesus. I surrender my life to you today in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you. Father, every person that prayed that prayer, God Almighty, seal that prayer. When they walk out of here, they're a different person. It is not an accident they came. They will never be the same. Never, never, never be the same again because they confess Jesus is Lord and they, they believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead and they said yes to God. And because of that, their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And for every other person that's here, kind of as the, uh, the, just the general practitioner, I want everybody who needs healing in their body to come to these specialists at the front. But if you need a healing in your body, I want you to raise your hands. I need a healing. Somebody needs a healing. Somebody needs a healing. Good night. Good night. Awesome. Awesome. Put your hand on your heart. Put your hand on your heart. Father, in Jesus' name, for every person, I, I prep them for surgery. I prep them right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what's going on. I can, I can see some things by the Spirit. But I just ask you, Lord, for these people who have these different needs in their physical body, Lord God. I ask that you would touch them, God. All kinds of things coming to my head. God, I'm so excited for what you're going to do. I pray that you would minister miracle-working power into their bodies in Jesus' name. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And they're hearing what God's Word says and they're believing it. It's moving from their mind to their heart. And it's going to affect their, infect their body in Jesus' name. And I pray for a healing miracle to come upon them in the mighty name of Jesus. Let's give the Lord a big praise all over the house. This is good stuff that's going to be happening in Jesus' name. Come on. Come on. <laughs>